To all of you entrepreneurs out there, this is the episode for you. You're going to want to listen to this. Natalie Domiu is an inspiring entrepreneur. She's a co-founder of a huge business. 16 years she's been doing entrepreneurship. She made the ultimate sacrifice and she made her life what she wanted it. She saw where she wanted to go and with the help of her husband and her family, she made it happen. And now she's a shining example of what you can do too in your life. You can say no to the rat race. You can say yes to living a life of abundance, prosperity, and having everything your heart desired. And freedom is at the core of that, right? Freedom is what we're all about. And so that's what I want for you. I want you to take Natalie's advice. She dropped some huge, huge knowledge in this episode, some huge lessons that you can't get anywhere else. This is this is gold, absolute stuff that's going to help save you money, time, and is going to touch your heart. And so Natalie, I thank you for everything that you share in this episode. And I want you to take it away. Well, let's get into it. I mean, Natalie yes. Dome, welcome to the Tim Castle Show. Let's let's do this. Thank you. How's everything going with you? Everything's going fine. We are getting closer to summer. It's hot. That's fantastic. And, uh, so you are based in France, that's right? In the south of France, that's correct. Oh, lovely. I love I love the south, uh, south of France. Like I've been a few times, but to Cannes, Nice, Saint-Tropez, are you, any, are you near any of those? Is that I that? am more on the west, closer to Spain. Oh, even better. That's why. Mm-hmm. Even better. And so thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I am absolutely fascinated by your story and I can't wait to share it with the listeners and get into it. But just, if you wouldn't mind, take us back a step. How have you got to where you are now and what has your journey into entrepreneurship been like? Yeah, sure. So uh, it's it's actually been quite unusual because I was not destined to be an entrepreneur at all. In fact, that was not even in the map. And I guess it's through, uh, you know, my experience through life that I had opportunities that basically we took. So to make the story short, um, basically, so I was born in France. Uh, mm-hmm. I am both French and American, but I was born in France and um, in a very modest family and um, a lot of, you know, very low self-esteem. And um, I really couldn't see, I guess, to make it quick, um, the one thing that I wanted is to not be like my parents and not reproduce, oh, you right. know, what, yeah. Well, because it, it I felt invisible, so I had two siblings. I am the middle one. And I'm the one that makes no trouble, that has the good grades at school. So I am basically invisible. I'm never told what I want. Um, when it comes to, you know, when you graduate and you have to start your studies, I didn't even know what to do. So I did the same thing that my sister did. Like I had yeah. no, I now that I, you know, looking back, like I was so lonely mm-hmm. and um, as a function of being know, the middle child or as a function of your parents' response to that? I think it's pros- it's probably the response. I don't know. It's, I don't think it's a thing of me being in the middle child, really, mm. actually. It's more that my sister was much older and, well, you know, like when, when there is violence and things are not good at home and you have kids, so you have the boy that is expressing his anger in one way, Mm -hmm. then you have the older sister that runs away, (laughs) right? And then you have the middle child, me, who basically is very quiet and Mm. basically does what she's told to do and stays under the radar because being invisible is being safe, right? Right. So, So then comes the time to you know, um, go to university, you know, you know, when school finishes and what you're going to do. And, and I didn't know, and my parents weren't there to tell me, you know, what do you want to do or things like that. So 
like I said, you know, I did what my sister, what my sister did. Mm -hmm. I went into computer science. It seemed safe. There were jobs. Mm -hmm. And by the time I, I finished school, so during my curriculum, I had to move away from home, which was actually the first defined moment that things were going to change. Because the moment that I left the city, I basically never went back. And I didn't know it at the time. But leaving okay. the city to a new university where I didn't know how to cook, I didn't know how to live <laughs> by myself, I thought I would not be able to do it. Guess yes. what? You can, right? Uh, and um, this you changed yourself in that experience. Exactly, exactly. And this really changed everything because there I met my now husband who was living in that city. And together we finished school. And right after school, we had an opportunity. I knew some people that lived in the US. So we had an opportunity to go there. And we just went there for, you know, like for a two-week vacation. We loved it in the Silicon Valley. And at the end of school, we just packed one bag and we moved there. And we said, we're going to stay there for the summer. If we find a job, great. If we don't, we'll move back to France. Amazing. And we stayed. So uh, hang on. So, so to just go through that then, you came from a place of, of being the invisible child, the person that was just copying and potentially not being well, not being seen by your parents. You knew that that was a way to be safe and that that was the way you had to be to survive. That was a survival mechanism. Yes. Then you went to university and then you unleashed this new life. How did that express? Because that must have been quite confronting to, yeah, you go to university, oh. but then you can't it's cook, been you a, can't do these things. Yeah. Like, it, it's hard. It's been a process. It's been a process. I, I still had low self-esteem, but what I could see is that it can be different. I don't have to reproduce what my parents was, were doing because that's all I knew. I saw, you know, through my now husband and his family that there was another way. You know, they had this confidence. They had this, you know, happiness that I didn't know. So that's when things started to shift, but it was still really hard. It was still really hard because I still had very low self-esteem. I still, I was still struggling. I was shy. I was, and I am an introvert. So that, that was, that was really, really hard. But mm -hmm. the fact that I was with him, you know, made things. I don't, I wouldn't have gone to the U.S. by myself. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't have built this business by myself, even in 2005. So it's that confidence that I got. And also that, you know, after school, not wanting, I mean, it was not even an option for me to go back home. Like there was no more home. Mm. So we had to create a home somewhere. So In a way, then you were burning the bridges by leaving because you knew there was no way back. It was sort of like go forward anyway, regardless, and then find out what the future is. And because I was going to say what, what was it that you saw that showed you that possibility or that something could be different? But it's, by the sounds of it, it was it was being with your husband and building that relationship. Yeah. And, and, and that university where you don't have to, you know, when you get back from school, then you get into a house and you don't know if there is an argument, if there is violence. You cannot bring friends because you don't know what they're going to be able to witness. You don't know what's going to happen when the door opens, because if he was drinking, then... You don't know what could happen. You, you know, like that fear, that constant fear of not feeling safe. I was able to not feel that That's right, anymore. Yeah. That's the big difference is that, that that fear doesn't have to be. I don't have to accept it by the time I was um, over 18. So I didn't have to, you know, uh, go back home. And, um, and it was more, I did not even like consciously say I'm not going back. It's mm -hmm. just that it was not an option. You see, mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, no way, I'm not going back. I never even told my mom I was not going back. Mm. Right? It just happened. It felt more natural. Yes, once you've had that. It felt natural. Perpetual, exactly. Yeah, yeah, perpetual anxiety that has then dissipated because or gone. It's been removed from your life and you suddenly see it doesn't have to be like this. I can live on my own yeah. terms. I can do things that make me happy and not mm -hmm. be doing things to make sure I'm safe and that, that we just continue and that minimizing the, the damage or the things that are going to happen that evening. Yeah, exactly. 
And wow. it's um, it's the trauma is not gone because it comes back. You know, it it came back many times, and it's still even right now there are things that come back. But I I know where they come from, so I I'm getting better and better at managing them. Are there specific things or incidents that can trigger it, or is it things, more? Yeah, yeah, it can be something that I see, a reminder, you know, it just triggers a memory of something that happened. Mm -hmm. And really, I would say like the the biggest, because I've done a lot of mindset work, you know, I've Mm -hmm. worked with a few people and I've worked on that and just learning to forgive and just say that they did what they could with what they have, what they had at the time. Mm -hmm. It makes, it's, it's hard to do, but once you are in that place, then it's just, let's just say it makes me who I am. And I've, I've, I've worked with this amazing lady and she, um, she helped me see that what, how I am and how, you know, emotional I can be and how much empathy I have, which sometimes can really be, you know, not to my best interest sometimes, you know, like the, the way I would, you know, being, you know, very emotional and things like that and learn how to use that as a strength. And it's like, I don't have weaknesses. I just have a way that I am and learning how I am wired. How am I going to respond to things instead of trying to change me? Right. And that really helped me a lot. That's like a, a massive form of self-love as well. Like being able to fall in love with yourself for who you are, but also mm-hmm. not um, not worry about if, if things come up for you, you're able to, to have strength and trust that you can deal with them, right? In, in, mm-hmm. in the moment, no matter how much these things do come up and they will continue to. And it feels like you've accepted that, but what you said in there was massive around, and I know that um, through friends that, the experience of being able to say they did the best they could with what they had. That's huge. Like, like I, I can see, I know that that's a hard, like that's so hard, like, but at the same time sets you free. It's like what you have to exactly. do to go, to go onwards and to be completely free. It's almost another gift to yourself, but it, to do it properly, I, I can imagine is something that takes time and you have to work on work through. Exactly. And and like I said, you know, there's been some steps like I have, we have three kids, you can see here. I can see them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They are much older, 25, 23 and 17 now. But that's a reminder. This picture was taken not long, I believe, after we moved back to France, to where we are right here. Right. And uh, 2005. But it's having my children. So because I've went through those phases, so that there is how you feel and you're away from home, you're in the US, you know, in California, and everything is far away from home and everything works great, you have a great job, and then you have a child, and then it hits you. How can you treat a child like this? Why do you have even children? Right? So then there is the anger that comes in again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, no, I'm not accepting this. I think I thought I was okay. I'm not okay. It's not okay. Like, I would never even Completely. think of doing, you know, of treating my kids, you know, this way. It's like, to me, like they are, and my husband is, is the same. Like, they are our purpose. They are why we do things. This is one of our big whys is our kids. And um, then I had number three and then number number two and then number three. And really that, that keep, you know, coming back is like, how can you do this? How can you do this? And then finally working with this person um, like three three years ago was really when, when I realized I just have to let this go. There is no point, you know, keeping it. It's not serving anyone. It's not serving me. It's not serving my kids. It's not serving our business. And um, just use it as, well, it's a stepping stone. There was then and then there is now. That's, that's again, another, you're dropping it so many nuggets of gold here and wisdom and i know that people who have gone through similar things and are going through these things will will gravitate strongly towards this because they they can relate and um i think um the the main thing as well is the ability to let go that you said just then because that is such a direct comparison that you can make when you have kids and you love your kids and you're like 
and you suddenly put yourself in the shoes of a parent and you're there and you then you can't imagine doing anything to hurt them so like you said the anger just comes as a natural response because you're feeling how you would feel and then you can't imagine who you'd have to be how it, how how does this all work and it gets all very confusing and like you said the letting go piece comes back again to your self-care and being able to continue on with your life so that you can grow into the path that's been opened to you. So in terms of the U S then, what did you think to the U S and how, how did that go and how long were you there? So we were then there for 10 years and software engineers. So in the Silicon Valley working like crazy, and we were also flipping houses. So we were buying houses and then remodeling oh, them awesome. and then selling them. Yeah. So we've done that. We've done two downtown San Francisco. So that was a lot of work because you, you know, getting a house that's like sometimes barely livable and then you redo everything and you sell it um, and then you go on to the next one. So um, what a great so, experience that would have been. Yeah. Whilst working as software engineers and living in the heart of San Fran. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's um, it, it was it was it was great. Kids loved it. But we we were working all the time. So, so you the kids make were born all this, there. The, kids the, were born. the whole three kids yeah. were born there. Yeah. Uh, and we had a cabin in the mountain. So we would go there, you know, like during the holidays and then certain weekends. Uh, but it's like to almost three hour drive to get there. So mm-hmm. it's like lots of driving, time in the traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, f- I fell asleep at the wheel twice. Because of exhaustion? From the job, not because of the drive itself. From the life, from the from life. life. To general life, being all, you know, always driving, always doing something. So one was on the bridge, I think coming home from work. And one was during a trip, you know, to our cabin. So you have a cabin, but then you're so tired, then you fall asleep at the wheel. So what's the point? Oh my goodness. Oh my, that's huge. Yes. Wow. Yes. You have this life that you, you think and you aspire to and yet it's potentially going to kill you. It's, and it's like, I mean, vacation in Hawaii, you know, with friends, Mm. great resorts, but what two weeks in a year is not enough to make up for you know the, the crazy the crazy life right it's, it's, uh, it's just not enough so one day but how um, good is Hawaii though isn't it special yeah <laughs> it's a special place so one, one time yeah definitely my favorite I mean it's amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes um and then one day you know my husband said you know do you want to go back and I'm like yeah, yeah. so we sold everything you know it took a while we sold everything and then we were going to be able to keep our, our, you know, just go back to France for two years and then keep our jobs and come back. And we were mm-hmm. in the um, R&D um, department. And during that period, they um, they basically let go of the uh, division. So we had to stay in the U.S. and, you know, and, and not move um, mm-hmm. if we wanted to keep our jobs. So we basically moved anyway because we had bought a house in France here, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I'm in right now, um, before even moving in, you know, moving. So it's like, let's just go and then see what happens. And and that's when we eventually, you know, we we built the business. So we started the business. So I can share that, that story too. That's where it comes in. So there's, an, oh, I've got a ton of questions now, but <laughs> was it the lifestyle of high earning, obviously, was that, possibility was that why you were able to buy the house in France to come back to or were you taking a risk in terms of saying no to the jobs and the restrictions that they placed on you in order to keep those jobs obviously with a family of what, three three kids you know, that, that's that's potentially quite quite a lot to take in or how how did you structure that so that you were able to say no to the lifestyle that you built up but at the same time make sure that your family mm-hmm. was protected yeah. Actually, the one thing that didn't that we didn't want is to say no to that lifestyle. So you can imagine South of France compared to San Francisco, the house is probably half the price. Back in 2005, or still now, would you say? Even now. 
I don't. I don't know. I. I. I don't know. We'd have to check, but it's. Back it's then. still a lot cheaper here. It's still yes, a lot cheaper yes. here, right? So, and we had the cabin in the mountain that we sold, right? So mm-hmm. we came in purchasing this house and having a base, quite a lot of money yes. to start a business, you know. So, right. the, so, so it felt. Not saying it. It was. It felt safe. And we were very, very confident. So my husband started, uh, kept doing some consulting and I did as well. He, he kept it for a little bit longer, you know, finish up things because he was director of software engineering there. So he couldn't just leave like that. Um, and, um, and then we, so that's when the entrepreneurship started is um, I could go and find a job. I would never have the salary that I had in the US. That's for sure, right? Or we could take the opportunity to start a business. And um, I'm not the entrepreneur type. Like, I'm not at all. If you do all the tests, low risk taker, no, I, I want to hide. I, I don't want to be visible. You know, we know why. And But my husband has always wanted to start his own business. Like, mm-hmm. he was not happy as an employee. We knew that. And he's, he's always talked about it. But he wouldn't do it alone either Mm. so I was like I I like to tell people that I really became an entrepreneur for love like I I said okay let's do this now the trick is when you do this I assumed that I was going to be an employee and being told what to do because that's that's what felt safe Uh and he didn't see it that way Mm. so he actually fired me not once but twice (laughs) okay (laughs) then of course I, I came back and sit here uh, but you see that, so it's, it has been a, a journey, but it has been a struggle. I mean, it's, it's, it's been really, really tough. Through all that, remember, remembering the, that what is the most important is this, people, is our family, right? So when things don't go as planned, that's what you go back to. Why are we doing this again? This. So we have to find a way to make this work. All right, guys, I want to shoot to an app that I'm involved in called Level Up, Elevate Your Life. It's something that I'm super passionate about because I've built it from the ground up. I have been involved with this team since the very beginning. And why? Because it's something I believe in. Level Up, Elevate Your Life is all around taking your habits and helping you integrate them into your life so that you can become better, the best version of yourself. That's what we're all about. You start with a 66-day challenge where you're to do the same task every single day that can be picking an audio file and listening to it on repeat because we know repetition is going to influence your subconscious mind and change your habit from inside change who you are so once you've done that we'll consider you leveled up and you'll open up different sections of the app in there you can start to choose and dictate how you're going to learn you can customize your own habit path and create your own daily habit selection so that you can start to optimize your life and integrate the habits from books from mentors and from life into your daily routine this is an app for you for the future this is how you become great it's about building your best version of yourself and going after your big dreams and goals which if you know me you'll know that is my mission for you that is what i want for your life level up elevate your life will help you get an advantage change your future and become all that you were designed to be download today on apple on google and really experience what it means to be truly great unleash that greatness within and level up today okay so as in the business has to thrive in order because you're doing it for your kids why did you get fired? What what was his perspective of what you should be doing? Not taking initiative, basically, and not right. acting as an entrepreneur. In basically, equal, a partnership rather than a, a yes. micromanaged employee. Exactly. Instructions. Exactly. Who were yeah. to be taking the initiative and testing and playing and doing things, doing exactly. whatever to bring the business forward. Right. Yeah. So. The, the biggest mistake I would say that we've made in our business, in our journey, is to saw that we had time. Because we had money, we had time. That was so the what mistake. we did, that was the mistake. 
That was a huge mistake because when you, I, for us, you know, when you think you have money and then you just keep mm-hmm. using the money, you use the money, it's okay, it's okay. And which I'm sure a lot of people, you know, are, are making this mistake is really to focus on what we know and try to ignore the things that we don't know or don't want to do. I'm talking marketing, market research, you know, all that stuff that, you know, when you're an employee, you have an expertise. So what did we do? We, we built a business where we were building software. But without knowing if there was a market, we just build it because we think it's cool. And because it's cool, people mm-hmm. will buy it. Well, guess what? Yeah. People don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's kind of like hiding be- behind doing what you know is comfortable. That's kind of knowing point. that mm-hmm. the marketing and sales is, and when you talk to people, they say, you have to be the first one to sell it. You have to select you as the owner. Then you can hire and build a team. Mm-hmm. But you have people have to see you. And that's something that he was not prepared to do and he will never do. He wants to see in the back. And so that's something I had to step in. And I did. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, and but it's not my nature. So it's something, but I'm very conscious about it. So all the things that come up, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do a video. I don't want to do an interview. I don't want, I have to remind myself why I am doing it because once I do it, I'm okay. But it's just like the, the procrastination of like, is there something else I could be doing <laughs> instead, you know, that will be just as, as good for the business, but do I have really to do that? So it's, it's it's this uh, role that I had to step into because some of one of the two of us had to do it and he was not going to do it, but he was doing more of the tech and I was not, so that's kind of like he can't do everything either, right? So um, that's how I stepped in. And your why again was? My why again is right here. It's like yeah. we have to make this work because if I go back to work, you can divide my salary by two and a half from what I was making in the US, that's not going to give us the lifestyle that we want because we haven't purchased a small house, mm. right? That's the thing. It's like, mm. it's, it felt like a step down from the US, but it's still a big property. And now you have this lifestyle that you have to be able to, to maintain. So right. probably buying this big house was a mistake. We should have started with something smaller and then grow you know um instead of having these big expenses you know coming right off the bat these mistakes are really really powerful right because you've said two so far the time factor thinking just because you had a pot of cash that you could sort of rest or go a little bit slower and take your time in in not being a virgin and then secondly downgrading your lifestyle yes but not probably enough to then be able to extend the runway and de-risk the fact that if you needed to take another job, you could, and it would be fine. That's yes. I think, I think many people make those mistakes even in, in non-entrepreneurship life, but at the same time, what you're saying here, and I know we're going to get to it is a pathway through to freedom because Mm -hmm. you saw that the gap needed filling. You knew that your husband wasn't going to do it. You knew that your kids needed you to do it. And that you would do anything for them and that you stepped up into that to be able to sell it for yourself. And I think as well, like when you explain, there was a third mistake, like the idea that you build the product and then they will come. And it, and that is a kind of a cliche, right? They, they say that build it and they will come. But like you said, it's the boring stuff. It's the stuff that you don't want to really spend time doing. And maybe the product that you've got to build isn't that exciting or fills your passion, but it's the product that will sell and give you this lifestyle. Exactly. And and I see it even with the people that I work with today or that, you know, that I talk to, you know, that's a problem that's very, very common. You know, people launch something and then they hear crickets and they wonder why, you know, um, that's a very common problem. So let's let's talk about that. So what are you currently doing? Or if you want to go back to 2005 and take us all the way up, perhaps to 2022, but Either yeah. way, but yeah, like it'd be great. I can go quickly back to, to yeah, I'm loving to where we're doing. Okay, so in in the course of um, so what happened is that when we got our back against the wall, like money running out, literally, um, 
we had to make a decision, right? What, what, what do we do? Um, and we finally uh, hired help in the form of a business coach and help. We, and, and they guided us in a direction where, well, being online and why don't you build websites, you know, because that's your, more, instead of software, which is requires a lot of money to launch a SaaS, comp, um, you know, a software company. Why don't you start by, you know, the, this, is, this is an expertise that you have, right? Um, and when we shifted that, you know, that, that was a defining moment in the business where we finally started to make money. I think we didn't make money in the first six years. Six years through, five or six years through burning cash. And that came from the original pile of cash? Mm-hmm, yeah. So did that it get, was all yeah, gone. Quite close. Gone. I was going to say six years, it starts to run. Probably a half million, five, oh. 500,000 was You're gone. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then back against the wall, now we got help, which then you realize we should have done is so much earlier, getting help, because it saves you time. It's an accelerator when you know what you want to do, getting help, getting help on the things that you don't know how to do. And, you know, hiring someone is saving you money and time. Because if you think you can do it all, one, it's very arrogant to think that. And two, that's not true for most people mm-hmm. that are on this planet. Okay. So that's one thing that, that we realized. So build websites. Um, then I started to get into, you know, communities, paid communities. I bought online courses. You know, I got the support. I built a network. And actually, even today, a lot of the business that we are getting is still through networking, past clients referring us or coming back to us or people that have heard me um, either doing a workshop or an interview or, um, you know, that basically I've heard my name or somebody tagged me on social media and then they reach out to me. So that that vi- that kind of visibility that I've created is what's serving our business. Yet I feel and still invisible, like compared to what I would like to be able to do. And that's still my block on how to do that. So I still have these issues, but still that's what's growing our business. So from there, we transitioned to doing online course platform and membership sites. And, and that's where the I see all these people making mistakes because they think it's easy and then and, and then they 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 basically fail. Uh, and one thing that I realized through doing the work is why I am so attracted in the membership model is the recurring aspect. Because the recurring aspects gives you what? Financial stability. Yes. Which is something that we work on as well. I have a money board. I know how much we make every single day. Money is really important to me because money helps me do the thing that I want to do. Those two went to private school that they got to choose that were not cheap. And that's because we were able to afford it. So I'm I'm looking at these things and this is really what's uh, helped helped us, you know, grow the business to where it's at right now. Financial stability is still very important to me. Knowing that I start my months with, I know exactly how much because it's on my board right now. It cannot be zero. That would be too stressful for me. So working towards that recurring is something that I'm really passionate about helping people because we all have memberships inside of us. We all have, we are all parents. Um, We are, um, you know, neighbors, we are friends, we are um, a mom or dad, we are brother, sister, you know, we all have life, we've experienced something that we can help people with. If we are passionate about it, enough, you know, enough passionate about it, we can create something around that and create support around that. So, so that's really how it's grown and why now we only focus on online course platform and membership sites. And um, that, that's, that, that, that's how it really all, you know, came about. That's, that's cr- crazy because you're saying the first six years of your entrepreneurial journey after you moved back and left the hectic lifestyle way of falling asleep at the wheel on the way to the lovely cabin, you made no money. So you had to have a huge amount of faith. And now you're starting to reap the rewards of all of that. And you're helping people do the exact thing that you wanted to do, which is help them create money and get financial stability. That's remarkable. Exactly. 
I love this. I love this because that yeah. is, is exactly what people are chasing. So would you say then, and correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that then you're looking from the outside in at someone's business and then you get into it? Because, do you see certain themes or is it the thinking that's wrong in the entrepreneur's mind? What part of it is wrong and in the most common aspects of yeah. So, So I have an ideal client and my ideal client, and, and then I'll tell you about every the, the, the whole audience, right? But my mm. ideal client is someone who already has a successful business in the sense that they have a process or a method that gets people results. And they are coming to me because they want a way to leverage that expertise and probably gain some time back. Mm-hmm. So they are like, I can help people one-on-one or I have this course, but I have to sell it. I have to launch every time, right? And I know I can get people results. If they have that, that means they have the confidence that their stuff works. Confidence and belief. I can't help anybody if they don't have that. So if they have that and they come to me together, we can create a recurring solution to a recurring problem that your, their audience has that is going to get them the recurring revenue. And that's going to be totally leveraged in terms of their time. They're going to be able to help many more people because it's leveraged. They're going to have that financial stability and that recurring income that's going to grow. And if we design it properly, it can create a synergy between all their offers. Because they might have a course that works great, but then after the course, they have some, nothing. Or they have a coaching program, and after the three months or six months, it's bye-bye. I have nothing else for you, right? Or they have a high ticket, and they can sell it, but they can only work with a limited number of people. And there is all these other people that are interested where you can provide value, but they will never buy this one. Maybe yeah. a few will. But you have potential here because they hear you, they see you, they love you, and you have nothing. So a front-end membership at a lower price point that doesn't involve so much of your time will not only create recurring income, but you'll have an impact on this pool of people that will never work with you, you know, at a higher ticket. But you can support them in some way. And very often people think that, oh, no, they need to work with me to get the result. Well, maybe there is some type of other result that you can help them with, right? Not everybody needs the one-on-one. So, but I make people think about that because when people come to me to create a new revenue stream, they see it as totally separate. Like another thing I have to do. No, what if we look at what works and we look where is the potential for you to add that revenue stream? Is it front-end? Is it back-end? Is it somewhere in the middle? So we create that synergy. So that product can feed other offers even, right? And that's that's why that's where people come to me because they don't they don't see it that way. And, and they say I have this power of asking, you know, the right questions and, and being able to see, you know, opportunities that that they can't. And you're able to take them through that. And so the first step is they have to be confident though that their products will get the outcome that they want yeah. because you can never create um if they're doubting. Yeah, it, it's, it, exactly. It's Most people, you know, maybe, maybe some people that have, I don't know, it would have to take a special. I don't know, maybe some special personality scan, but most people. If you don't believe, you know, people will sense that, right? Or it's only sure. going to work to a certain point. So um, it's easier for me to work with people that believe in what they do, because then I can help them, you know, leverage. Now, talking, if we want to talk about the other people, yes. I mean, not the other people, but the people that, for example, come to me and they've tried to sell a course for 1500 or something, and, and, and they were not successful, maybe. And they're like, well... I think I'm going to do a membership because it's a lower price point, you know, thinking it's going to be easier. Or somebody that maybe it's a mom that's at home and then she wants to start a business and she loves the idea. I mean, we see memberships pop everywhere, right? People Mm -hmm. doing recurring income where they think that it's money that, you know, comes magically and you have nothing to do. It's it's not passive income. There is nothing passive Mm -hmm. about running a membership. Um, 
but there is something very leveraged about running a membership. And to these people, they come to me and say, okay, can you build me the same platform that you did for so-and-so? Because we have our links in the future. So that's how a lot of people find us. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, used, I used to say, yes, we've built probably over 400 now in the wow. last four and a half years, a lot. And I used to tell people, sure, I'll help you and build a platform. And then it goes down. And now I'm like, okay, t- tell me what's your idea? Who is this for? What problem are you solving? What recurring problem are you solving? What is your recurring solution? Why should they come to you and not somebody else? And if people can answer, cannot answer that, then they are not clear enough. So I can help them through strategy trying to figure that out. But I'm certainly not going to build you a platform if you're not ready for it, even if I don't preach for my choir. And I tell people, first tip, when you don't know and you don't have an audience, maybe you're a coach and you want to start a to teach people how to paint. Not, people don't know you about that. You can start a membership around that, but it's not about building the platform. You start with building your audience and building in your audience is not something I can help you with because that's not how I've run my business. So that would be, I don't know, I wouldn't, I could, you know, I know some people teach things that they haven't done, but like I, I would not be comfortable doing that. That's why I go to people that already have it. So for these people, I said, build your audience and build what I call an interest list. Get people, start talking about that, that topic and get people to raise their hand and give you their name and their email. If you can't do that, how can you expect these people to give you any money? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the first step. And you can talk about different options and you see what sticks, what gets people engaged, whether this is on social media or local events that can be anywhere. It's not linked necessarily to social media. But really, the idea is get out there, start talking about the topic, see what sticks and then start building that. And just say, just tell people, you know, start having the conversation and then say, um, yeah, I'm thinking of creating, you know, these things and this is for this type of people and we probably will have like a, a monthly call and maybe there, is, there will be a monthly uh, deliverable and it will have a video, it will have a meditation and maybe a, a, book, um, a, a book review or something like that. Is that something you'd be interested in? And if people say, hell yes, then you've, you know how to build the audience Right. And you have an interest list that you can launch to when when you're ready. But if you can't, then don't bother going the next step of doing the tag because you're going to hear crickets and you're not going to spend your time and money on the right place. Absolutely fantastic answer. That's so much food for thought there as well for a lot of budding entrepreneurs that will run into it and not actually qualify do they have the right audience? Is is this valuable? Have you have you have you got something that and the other flip side is the other ideal client side is the people that do have something valuable, they already know it. They're already experts in what they're doing. They just need to productize that and you're the person to help them do that and to, to then be able to put it into a system which if they try to do on their own without the expertise would take them a lot of time, would cost them way more money. So I can see how that's the pivot moment, right? If if you do or you don't, if you are doing something that you know you've got business coming through it's already successful like you said it's an already a successful business but there's other ways to make multiple streams of revenue from it that can all link together and it's not just something we have to do so i, I can totally see there's a big distinction made up front um from yourself so how has it been then living the life of an entrepreneur and having a family and the france time essentially compared to that hectic uh, life that you had in, in Silicon Valley in San Francisco? So there is still stress. It's a different kind of stress, I would say. It's, um, I would say that the part that I enjoy the most, you know, is being able to work from home, you know, from my office. You can see we got it done about two years ago, right when COVID hit. Yeah, how um, cool that? We finished Lovely. it. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I am my own boss, so I get to, uh, you know, make the decisions. And like my husband said, you know, what he loves the most about this is the potential. 
the potential for something, you know, really, really big versus mm-hmm. when you are, you know, working, the potential is, you know, quite limited. Yes, you could have promotions and things mm-hmm. like that. But, um, and, and, and actually, so one of the things that it's allowing as well is really to choose what we work on, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, we've built a team. So, you know, for a long time, I was building the sites. Then now I, we have a team that builds the site and that frees up my time for other things. So for him, for example, now uh, is working on a SaaS product that's called Search Dito, which was, which came about, it's for content creators. And it really came from looking at what our clients were experiencing. So when you create, you know, like a product or a service, um, you can come up with an idea or it can also come from seeing firsthand the people that we're working with struggling with something and coming up with a solution, right? So I guess that's what it allows us to do is to be able to pivot. So we're still doing memberships, still very much doing it, but now we're growing this piece and we hope that... uh, it will become, you know, um, its own thing, its own company, you know, and, and stands on its own. Um, and it's going to basically, um, it should be much bigger than even what we are doing right now. So that's what it makes possible. Because when you have a job, you have a job, you have a full-time job, and that's what you have. And then when you get home, you have the house, at least for, for women, you have the house, the kids, you know, and all this stuff, right? So it's being able to choose and pivot when you want to you know, based on, I mean, we're both over 50. So we are thinking retirement now, of course, you know, how are we going to prepare that? And that's one of the ways. As in like you would exit this company or you've got the team now running it. So therefore it's on autopilot from a perspective of you can be quite, you can be a bit more hands-off. Exactly. More hands-off. You know, the company is never going away, but it's being, you know, more, yeah, more hands-off. You know, right now, I still love to do uh, lots of the calls. Um, I do all the sales. I mean, I call them enrollment because I don't really sell. I enroll people into their own ideas, but through Zoom like this. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, you know, being able to end this over. So we're creating all this system and SOP so that, you know, they they could be handed over, right? It's um, This is also work in progress, always creating systems so you can stabilize the business and delegate better um, so that we can eventually have more time for us and, and being able to delegate, you know, many more things. And so in your last answer, so you talk about how entrepreneurship is different to normal day job and the fact that you can choose your projects. And so within the business of what you've made, you found another problem and now you've built search ditto to counteract that and amplify content for creators. And that has the potential to be, another rocket ship if not bigger than what you've already done yeah and so just to compare and contrast the lifestyles yes there's stress but does the stress come from a different place are you falling asleep at the wheel is it what's the like if there's stress um yeah yeah so the stress in in the u.s was um was Stress and maybe frustration as well. It's like, um, you know, life going really fast, you know, things like, you know, wanting to slow down. I mean, when you are in the Bay, in the Bay Area, our kids were in, I don't know if you're familiar at all with San Francisco, but um, our kids were at the Haight and Hashbury School, so the French school, and there is a birthday every weekend. And you have to go because mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. don't go, you, you're not part of the club anymore, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you have to drive kids and and, and you're always yeah. the life. It, it's it's so crazy and, and 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 you you go to parties every weekend and you do so. It's it's a great moment, but it's tiring. And it's that stress. It's a it's it's a stress of like there is always something to do not being able to just slow down and have a day where say like, yeah we don't have to do we don't have anything this weekend we just you know just lay low yeah. right and we created that for ourselves but like but it, it it almost felt like if you don't do it then then you're completely isolated because this is the life in the bay you know this is like you're always you know doing these things very easy so, to slide into yes just gradually it's unconsciously easy, almost. It, 
Exactly. It's unconscious. You don't see it. You know, like you, you have this, you have this. And then the next thing you know, you know, like you're, you're exhausted, you're tired. Like I remember telling my husband, I cannot, I don't see myself keeping doing this. I can't remember how old I was at the time, but like for, you know, like at 50, still doing mm. this stuff. Or I think it may, but maybe I told him at 40 or something. It's like, it's like I, tears came to my eyes. You know, when I thought about them, it, it's like, there is no way. Right. So versus now, the stress is very different. The stress is for me, just because it's my nature. Okay. Uh, for me, it's, it's still the money. If I'm being honest behind the scene, it's still the money. It's still. So why um, is that though? If, if the business is successful, why is it about the money? What if it stops? Well, what then? Well, then I'll have to find something else, right? What if people stop, you know, liking what I do? Why if people don't want to work with me anymore? And it's, it's very, it's, it's a block. It's a mental block that I have. I know. Okay. Instead of looking into, oh, this is what's working. Let's do more of it. And I know it. So I have to put myself back into that vortex. But when I experience the stress, it's that. And then my husband reminds me, hey, you've sold for over a million dollars through a Zoom call in the last four years, your services. So don't say people don't want you. So I have to remind myself of this. I also watch um, testimonial videos from my clients. I mm-hmm. read testimonials. I have to remind myself uh, that I am enough, mm-hmm. that it's okay to say no when it's not the right project and and put myself back because I can very quickly get into, you know, a very dark spiral, you know, and, and then no productivity at all, right? So, it's that fear that's always, in, and it's the entrepreneur. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, that's the also beauty. Something great can happen and something doesn't work. And that's okay. It's an opportunity to pivot and do something else, right? So, uh, thank you. So, I would say that. that's huge. Yeah. Like, like, that's so, and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because I think that will hit home with so many people that, that, the, the entrepreneurship journey is glamorized on Instagram or magazines and Forbes and everything. Right. And what you just said is that you're still able to be a human and be very successful at what you do and worry, have, have real worries about things, even though you're knowing that there's so much good out there and things are going really well. And it is, it's this battle between moving towards what's within and understanding that our external results don't create what's within what's within creates the external results and just remembering that it all comes from within and that Mm -hmm. not just focusing on the result because the result can change over time in three weeks we can have a bad day good day lots of money no money it changes and yeah you've just articulated that really well and thank you for the the vulnerability there because that's exactly what I think people need to hear in the conversation that we need to be having, really. I, I think that, you know, what, what people are seeing is what people are willing to share, right? Mm. There are lots of people that are very successful that you never hear about and you never see. And there are people that are struggling and you don't see either. But unfortunately, most of what you see, the glamorous, you know, uh, you know, the, on an island, sipping a cocktail, you know, all that stuff, it doesn't tell you anything about what's going on, you know, once they've put down the phone, you know, no. you have no idea. You that's have no point. idea, you know, yeah. and, and actually that's, you know, that, that's some, that's one of the reasons also I'm struggling with visibility where, you know, you t- we talk about uh, being more in, out there and showing yourself so that people can see where you are and, and I still haven't found how to do that in a way that works for me, that feels comfortable to me. Um, it's that, that's really something that, you know, when I see people showing, I, I can't help but think, you know, yeah, but how, how, how is it going, you know, behind the scene, you know, because I know some of these people and I know the struggles that they've had and, and the mm. thing, that, but you never see it on social. So I, I guess part of the thing with this visibility is like not wanting people to have the wrong idea 
not putting the wrong idea. I mean, I could post picture. We had an amazing, you know, it was Mother's Day yesterday. We yeah. had our three kids, which, you know, is uh, it's a good thing. It doesn't happen every weekend, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. we were by the pool and we have a, an amazing backyard that looks like a, like a park. You know, it's like, yeah. and, and I could, and, and we have this beautiful lavender and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I say, it, it, it crosses my mind all the time. It's like, I could take a picture and post. And I was like, why would I do that? What message would that send besides the fact that I have a very nice house with a pool? How is that serving people? I can also show them the mess in my kitchen because it really, it's, it's really bad and it, but I would not, right? So it's like, that's my problem with visibility is finding that I still haven't found it. Well, it's, so I have all these troubles. Both are all, all authentic, right? One of you by the pool and one of you in the kitchen with the mess. They're both authentic, but it's just the... Do I want to show my kitchen well, to just, people? That's the thing, yeah. On social media, yeah. they're filtering out the kitchen one and they're just putting only the pool pictures so that it looks like they go from the pool to the private plane to the, and it, they miss mm-hmm. out the bits on between. And what you're saying is you, you want more of a, a reality of, of exactly. Of like if I was going to show up, I want, I would want to show up real, you know, like more like all of it. I, only that would make people, um, you know, um, maybe would inspire people or show them that, but otherwise it's just showing off. I think the other thing is, is that certainly when I found it, it's more about if you just like what you're doing now, Natalie, like the, the sharing of your stories and the sharing of what you've got to say and your, that is showing up. You're already doing it in the way that's going to make the biggest impact. And I think when people the right people find you because they connect with your message already and that just scales through the more you do it and you gravitate towards certain mediums of course but i think i think you are showing up i think you are doing it thank you i'll tell my husband that (laughs) he's probably going to listen to the episode anyway but yeah it's um so yeah so we all have you know that that's my that's that's my I'm comfortable piece about being an entrepreneur. Mm. It's that part. I like security. I like knowing, you know, what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I'm a huge procrastinator. Even though we know the lesson of time and money. Does, mm-hmm. uh, and what is the blocker there? Um. It still, you know what what people will think, and though it's you know it's I want to say it's less and less. It's a lot less than mm-hmm. it used to be, and I think when you grow older, you start <laughs> caring less about what honestly about what people <laughs> think. But there is still that you know people that I care about, the people that I don't know. So yeah, somebody that I don't know yet like would you know make a remark or, or say something doesn't impact mm-hmm. me, but. I think back to you know this personality that I have from my from my 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 childhood mm-hmm. is this deep 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 desire to be loved. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, so my number one strength, you know, when you do this personality test and things like that, is harmony. I want people to get along. I will do or say or shut my mouth to avoid conflicts even conflicts on tv you know when there is a thing and they start to have bickering and it could be you know for people it's very entertaining it makes me very uncomfortable even though it's on tv i'm I'm not it's like i i I would switch you know on the radio when they make pranks on people you know like they have this show in france on the radio and they make the craziest, you know, they, they call them and they make them believe mm-hmm. um, that there is something crazy. And people get so caught into it that they believe, you know, that there is a, a mouse in their phone. Like literally mm-hmm. there was mm-hmm. this one guy who made this woman believe there was, that makes me really uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's taking advantage, you know, of the per- And it's like, so I have all this, all this feeling, all these things that I know, and I'm just, you know, like avoid them when but I know they are there I know like 
my harmony is hard for me to have a conversation a hard conversation with someone mm-hmm. whether this is a team member or a, a client I, I I know and and that's why I haven't probably handled you know things the best that I could just because um I wasn't equipped to deal with it because it's hard for me Sure. And, and you, I can see you're bringing awareness to all of those areas and that's where you get the growth, right? Like, cause you've got that awareness of, and, and that's the other exactly. thing. We don't have to be masters at everything, right? Like that's kind of what you're saying is like, just, you know what to avoid, right? Because you're all, you want harmony in life. Why shouldn't you get harmony in your life? Just, yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, there's, there's no rule book that we have to have. You must see everyone who makes a prank and feel okay with it. Like, yeah, there's, everyone's got, Got stuff, but it, at the same time, like it, it's important to understand what stuff it is, so that you can stay away from the things you need, but also grow through the what, push. It's like pushing yourself through the things you know you need to push yourself through to to grow in areas that you know need to be bigger, and then also at the same time staying away from stuff that you're just going to bring you down and isn't isn't what we want. And I like exactly. I, I yeah. have certain things like that too, where I know there's environments or things that I. I just don't gravitate towards and I'm not going to. So why, why force myself? And then there's other ways that, you know, I'm going to thrive. I'm going to, I love enthusiastic people. I love, but not bravado. I, I don't love the kind of fake enthusiasm. I love getting an yeah. idea and being enthusiastic about and passionate about other people's success. And the fact that they feel that burning desire to and ambitious people, effectively people yeah. that want to go out there and kick ass. So yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, as a business owner, I've also, you know, realized that I, I know people hear this a lot, but it's 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 really true is that the more you're going to be yourself in your business, mm. the easier it's going to be for you to work and attract the people that share the same values as you do. That sounds pretty obvious, but the more you're going to be yourself, the more you're going to attract these people. So the people that I work with, they are very passionate about what they do. They mm-hmm. know they are getting people results and they want the leverage, but they don't want to sacrifice on relationship and experience. That's mm-hmm. why we focus on helping people create unique experiences. It's not about putting your videos and your audios on a site and call it a course or a membership that doesn't work anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's about, and when you share that, when I have conversation with people, they can see my passion. They can see, they can understand why I'm doing it. They can see that I'm really listening mm-hmm. to, you know, what, what, what they are, what they are telling me and what they are trying to do. And it's the same with search Gito. Search Gito came with how can we improve the experience inside? My husband is a little bit the same in a way. And he came up with the idea. It was like, you know what? All these coaches that put the replays inside the membership. You know, they are they do like group calls and they put the replays. Nobody watches them. You know, people have started to tell us, I don't know if I should put the replays. People don't watch them anyway, anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, what if we could get people to search through these videos? And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, through the audio content. So imagine we're in a coaching call, you answer one of my questions, right? And I cannot attend the call or I want to go back to the replay. I go back to the membership and I type Natalie and it's going to show me all the places where you mentioned my name. And then I can see, I can find quickly where you answer my question instead of having to drive through an hour long replay of video. You can streamline it. Yeah. 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 So it's like, how can I search the stream? How can I make it easy for people to find content? And then from there, we're like, how, why don't we expand this to online courses? So now we have, so we have these clients, they are called Three Birds Renovations. They are like a big company in, um, in Australia and they have three, they have a membership and two courses that we've built for them. And we've added this feature, Search Dito, to their online course. Why? Because they help people design and renovate their house. And at any time, somebody can come back to the course and type a word like carpet 
It's going to show them all the modules and lessons that mention carpet. Oh yeah, that was the one. And they click at the click of the button, it plays directly at the video where it says carpet. Mm. And they can click and have some context, go to the lesson, grab the PDF, grab whatever other. We make it easy for people to come back to content that they want. Same thing with podcasts, you know, search detail with podcasters. We were like, why don't we help podcasters get more listening time for their existing um, uh, listeners? And the idea is how about we make people being able to search through podcast episodes, the actual audio part, not the title, not the description, the audio part. So, for example, I have a, a podcast series that's 27 episodes. And when you type membership, it's going to show you all the episodes where I mentioned membership. And you can see in one, I say it about 20 times, a lot. I say that word a lot. And if you click, it's going to play directly where it's mentioned. So you're helping people find more relevant content. You're leveraging your content. You're bringing back older episodes that nobody watches, you know, number one and two and 10 when you have 300. Right. So it's like, how can we help create people create better experiences with what you have already created that, you know, is of great value? And that's why Search Dito has these like three angles, right? The, the audio, the video, and we also have a YouTube version is how can we leverage that? How can we get people to find that content more easily, get a better experience? That's so. incredible and profound because... Uh, and we need to have a, another conversation about <laughs> I know stuff you online because this is great. Yes. I've I've got a company as well that uh, I just can see so many synergies here now we can work together. But like um, what you're saying is then if I've got this right, is I could use Search Ditto if I wanted to find out in someone who's got 300 podcasts, every, every episode of time they mention mindset or a certain habit or a certain skill. Say it was a certain niche guy. I don't want to have to wait through some of these podcasts are an hour and a half long and you don't want to get to the bit when they talk about that bit, which your friend mentioned at dinner and you've got to go find it. Let's just type it in. Off we go. We've got the bit on habit creation or success or whatever it was. Get straight to the point, digest all these bits. And at the same time, you could also curate a little bit easier because you could go through multiple podcasts. You're saying it bring for the for the actual podcaster or the artist or the um yeah, the artist or the professional, it's it's helping yeah. bring up old content from the past so it's yeah. not getting lost. Exactly. And, and for me as a podcaster, I can see what people are searching. Analytics. I like it. It's <laughs> yeah. just like data. So I know data people, people coming on my podcast page, listening to an episode, searching, they are literally telling me, Natalie, can you speak more about this? Yeah. Please. Yeah. Right. The so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's informing your next podcast. So clever. Exactly. Well, Natalie, I know the day has just begun for you. And I I, yes. I'm, I would love to keep talking. And we can if, if if you've got time, but I, I know that you've probably got lots of clients on your roster and a, a full pipeline of of business. And I just want to say you are truly what we look for on this show. You're someone who's courageously showing up in life doing inspirational things and i know that you'll have touched many lives today and this message will continue to touch lives especially if they use search ditto and, and search for some of the different words but thank you for coming on and sharing some of the lessons and and especially talking through your journey it's it's truly inspirational but what i find inspirational about it is is you had what people or what we think we've got to aspire to, to go and have a job in Silicon Valley and San Fran and to, to have the mountain cabin and to have the kids and all of the stuff. And then what you did was you, you decided to do something even more courageous. You went out there and you built a business and you still managed to put your kids through really good education. And you didn't lower your standards around certain things. You built a lifestyle mm -hmm. around what you wanted. And I, I know that this will have helped many, many people today. So thank you. From You're welcome. Heart. Really, really thank you. Thank you so much, Tim, for having me.